Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. Get paid for your pad. 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 Before learning about Aviva IQ, I used to spend so much time managing my guest communications manually. Now, with Aviva IQ's easy-to-use automated service, my workload has reduced by 80%. Did I mention it's free? Automate your Airbnb messages now at www.avivaiq.com. Welcome, everybody, another episode of Get Paid for Your Pet. And today, I am hosting this episode together with Margot co-founder and CEO of Hostly. So, Margot, how's it going? It's going great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. How's life in uh, San Francisco? Oh, it's great. The weather's getting warmer, lots of tourists around. Um, it's beautiful here. How, how is it there in Holland? Well, I'm homeless now. <laughs> so it's really? Just, it's, uh, yeah, so it's a bit of a struggle. Fortunately, my cousin was... Uh, he was nice enough uh, and generous enough to offer me a place to stay, uh, mm-hmm. which basically means that I get to sleep in my own bed because uh, I sold my house in Amsterdam, my apartment. After five years of Airbnb hosting, I have uh, I have sold the house. And um, so my Airbnb journey in Amsterdam has finally come to an end. I hosted my last guests uh, just uh, about a week ago. And so I had to get rid of all my furniture. And so I figured if I, I had two really nice beds, if I give those beds to some family members, then, you know, they kind of have to let me crash. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Cause I was, I was talking to my cousin and I was like, look, my bed is in your house. Okay. Uh, you got to let me sleep in my own bed. Exactly. I was actually just thinking, so when you, when you turned off your Airbnb listing in Amsterdam, like you get to keep all the photos of it and everything, right? So that's like your 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 the place where you can go back and reminisce about your property. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's funny that you mentioned it because I was just thinking about that. You know, I haven't I haven't taken down the listing yet, I and mean, listing's still there. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I've I've obviously I've obviously uh, put it at on inactive or yeah. snooze as they mm-hmm. you, you can snooze your listing. So I snoozed it. But uh, I haven't actually thought about what, what am I going to do with this listing? Like, do I get to keep my reviews when I start my new listing? Yeah. I, I don't know how it works. Yeah. Well, aren't the reviews associated with your profile, not just your listing? I think that's how it works. Yeah. Um, so so that you should keep it, but just have it be inactive. Because if you get rid of it, then I'm not sure how that works for the reviews for your profile. Exactly. So you pro- yeah, definitely want to keep it. So I got <laughs> I to look into that. But um Anyway, I've already bought an apartment in Colombia, as uh, some people may know, as I've talked about it before. But uh, yeah, so now I have to transfer the money and you know, and then the apartment will be mine. But now for a few days, I get to enjoy my status as a homeless person, which is mm-hmm. something that I've always aspired to be. 
Yeah. Uh, it's always been my ambition to be homeless. So, it's like um, it's, it's like being a, a true minimalist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Cool. Well, anyway. I'm glad you're enjoying it. And and also you get to have a high quality bed, which is the most important thing, no matter where you stay, in my opinion. So that's Absolutely. great. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> uh, a good night of sleep is definitely the most important part of the experience when you're when you're staying at somebody's place, I think. And, you know, it's also important for us as hosts. Well, I guess technically I'm not a host anymore, but, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but soon I will be. But, uh, you know, having a very comfortable bed is definitely something that, you know, is really important, I think. Definitely. That's one of the things, actually, that we are always trying to find ways to connect our users with it. Hostfully, we we have um, some partnerships with a sheets company and a bed company, um, just so we can offer our customers some some freebies every now and then, because we think we also believe that the bed is one of the keys to a great hospitality in, a, in an Airbnb. So I totally agree with you there. Awesome. So let's dive into this week's news. Yes, let's do it. What What do you have? Oh, well, I've got some more regulatory stuff. I know that we've talked about regulatory a lot, and you've talked about it a lot on the show. But um, this past week, we had an interesting article from The Hill, which reports on stuff that's happening on Capitol Hill in the U.S., and some really big-name senators, um, Brian Schatz of Hawaii, Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts, who is a very polarizing figure in this country, and Dianne Feinstein, who comes from California. And these three Democrats sent a letter to the Federal Trade Commission in July raising concerns about the short-term rental industry. And we're really making some claims that the short-term rental industry helps to propagate some issues around discrimination, helps to or is, is evading local tax laws, um, also flies in the face of some of the safety and fire inspection standards. And so in some markets, the group that these senators were working with said that um, which is the American Hotel and Lodging Association, said that Airbnb is dodging payment of local lodging taxes, which is something we've heard a lot about. But um, the most surprising part about this article was that they had these three really big name, very popular senators who are championing the hotel side of things. And it's the first time I've seen it happen at the national level. So that's pretty exciting. So the, you, you would expect those senators to be more in favor of Airbnb? I just wouldn't have expected them to take a, such a polarizing stance. Um, I think that um, a lot of the constituencies for these senators have mixed feelings, and I don't think that there is a clear point of view that they are wanting to champion. So I was surprised that they came out on the side of old, you know, kind of old stodgy, <laughs> like old business instead of new business. But maybe that's maybe that's just who got to them first. I don't know. I could see them just as easily championing some of the things that Airbnb has been championing. Like one of the things that Airbnb is saying is that they have struck over 250 government partnerships over the last year. And they've really shown their seriousness of purpose when it comes to putting in place very fair rules to partner with local legislators and and tax laws and, and other safety and fire um, regulatory issues. So um, anyway, I, I'm surprised that they were able to get such high-profile Democrats to side with them right now. I don't know much about politics in the U.S., but can't they just pay those senators? Um, potentially, um, but I, I think that that's probably illegal. I, I'm not an expert on that either. <laughs> <laughs> Are those called lobbyists? Yes, they're called lobbyists. <laughs> yeah, the American Hotel and Lodging Association, I believe, um, raised something like $1.5 million and end up giving away $1.3 million dollars to further their agenda last year. So they're raising big money. And then Airbnb similarly raised about 485,000. So about half that. 
to champion some of their causes. So we're definitely going to continue to see a lot of fighting. Um, and I think it's going to end up going up to the federal level, which will be interesting here in the U.S. Yeah, it would definitely be interesting to see how this plays out. But by the way, have you ever heard what the origin of the word lobbying is? No. So I heard this anecdote. I don't know if it's true. But somebody told me that uh, when uh, Abraham Lincoln was still the president of the U.S., he would go to this hotel bar, get really drunk, Mm-hmm. And then on his way home, he oh, would people be, wait in the lobby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you know, when he's drunk, he's easily influenced. So all these politicians would wait in the lobby <laughs> to uh, to wait for it because they weren't allowed, or the, the the lobbyists or the people who were trying to influence, they weren't allowed in the bar when he was there. So they're all mm-hmm. waiting in the lobby for him to come out and then you know try and like uh, influence his opinion on certain matters. Hmm. Well, that makes a lot of sense because that's what they're doing. It's <laughs> <laughs> a very interesting story, isn't it? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it is I've, kind of a strange word. I have no idea if it's true. Yeah. Anyway, there's also some article, a pretty interesting article actually, about um, Airbnb's expansion in China, or should I say, mm-hmm. the lack of Airbnb's expansion in China, um, because they, you know, they've been active in China for for quite a while. Uh, they started in 2013. So it's almost four years, and they really haven't grown that much. They only have about eighty thousand listings in the country, and I mean it's the, you know, it's it's like the country where like what is it twenty percent of the world population lives, yeah. And you know their competitors are are much bigger. There's a lot of you know things that you you would expect to be different, but there's a really interesting article. There's a, there's actually quite a lot to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would recommend people read this article. It's in Tech in Asia, and it's by Ziwei Li, Z-I-W-E-I-L-I. It's a great article. Totally recommend it for anyone who's interested in Airbnb. But let's talk a little bit about it, because there's a lot to talk about in this article. Yeah, so it starts with commenting on the, the name. So Airbnb did like a rebrand, and they came up with a with a Chinese name for for the platform. And I don't know how you pronounce it. You're, you have a minor in Mandarin, I believe. I do. Uh, so I'll, I'll let you pronounce it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know. the. So it's, it's three words. Um, the first word is I, which means love. And the second word is B, which I actually don't know the meaning of this word in this context. But the third word is Ying, which means like welcome, like Huan Ying, which is what you say to welcome someone. So the name is I B Ying. And the critique of this, and I am totally my, like, it's been 15 years since I studied Chinese, so I really don't speak it, just a qualifier. Um, but the meaning is to welcome each other with love. And Chinese users are saying it's really awkward to pronounce. Um, and it uses a weird combination of characters, like the order of the characters is in a strange way. And just having studied Chinese, I know that there are these colloquialisms and kind of commonalities in the way that you structure sentences and words. And so this could be just like super awkward, um, but that's where it starts. So it just gets uh, more and more hairy after that. You want to go over <laughs> under the next section? <laughs> yeah. And, and it's an interesting article and, uh, you know, Airbnb is really uh, ambitious about its, its growth in the future um, because, you know, other than the new name, it also introduced its trips and experiences products in Shanghai and it announced it would double down on investment and scaling the team in China. So they're, you know, they're really looking to, uh, to up the pace a little bit. But the author of the article kind of argues that, you know, it's, it's just not really going to happen. And there's, mm-hmm. there's several reasons. And I think, 
I think the main reason uh, it's that the home sharing is just not really part of the culture in in China. And one of the figures that they show is that 72% of people who do home sharing were primarily motivated by financial returns and only 19% was interested in making new friends. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's viewed more as a, as a business than, a, than as a cultural experience. Mm-hmm. I think that's, you know, that's, that's, that's a big thing. And mm-hmm. it, it also states that, I mean, let me see, it states something that, uh, that in China, you know, meeting strangers and sharing things with strangers is not really something that, you know, a lot of people do. A lot of mm-hmm. people are, you know, worried about safety and about privacy and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the you know that's the first first major point. It's just not really part of the culture. Yeah, and I've had um, uh, native Chinese people tell me this. Um, where here's some stats from the article. So like only six point five percent of people trust strangers, and like stranger trust reading from 2016 has even fallen to around one percent. So there's just like this really. <laughs> a big reluctance to trust a stranger. And really the feeling, if you want to frame it more negatively, is that everyone is going to screw you. And that is really what a lot of Chinese people have told me that it's, it's very common. So, you know, I guess like my comment on this is that if you would have like rewind, you know, 10 years back, so we're in 2017 to like 2007, I'm sure a lot of people would have said the same thing about the United States. And I bet Airbnb um, who has developed and really focused on building a brand of trust will look at this as a, a fun challenge. And I mean, I hope that they are able to do the same thing they've been able to do in the United States, but it is a really big cha- challenge about building trust and Airbnb's brand and, and user experience here in the United States is all about building trust. And that's something that Gebbia and Brian Chesky have, have been talking about for a long time. It's just whether, whether they can really do that in a new country with a new culture that maybe is even more against sharing with strangers so anyway that's the first that's my comment on that <laughs> yeah well you know i i know a bunch of people in china i've been there before i have some friends who've lived there and one thing i i did notice is that you know they always seems to be worried about safety wherever they travel and mm-hmm. for example i was in paris a couple of weeks ago and I remember some of my chinese friends were telling me that they they didn't want to go to paris because it was too dangerous hmm you know, and and it's funny because I mean I don't know I don't feel like Paris is you know a particularly more dangerous place than anywhere else in the world really, but yes. it's just kind of like their focus I think. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I never would have um, thought that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, people, you know, in in the U.S., I think people think of Paris as this romantic city, you know, mm-hmm. but in China, people think it's dangerous. Mm. <laughs> That's interesting. Like dangerous, like pickpocketing, like like violent crime, kind of dangerous, or dangerous, like I don't know what else. It's just interesting. Like, what is it really? I would like to understand. Like, what is it really that that scares people? Because yeah, there's I think a bunch of I, different layers. You know, I think it's like getting robbed. Oh, it is. Oh, yeah. like getting like theft. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, um, anyway. Let's, uh, let's move on with this, this article. There's a, there's a yes. bunch of other points. Uh, another point is that, uh, you know, in most countries, the difference between an Airbnb and a hotel room in price is, uh, is quite significant. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that difference is a lot smaller in, in China. There's a, there's an interesting price comparison chart in the article. And so they mm-hmm. compare cities like Beijing and, and Shanghai to mm-hmm. cities like, you know, New York, London, Berlin, et cetera. 
and yeah, it's it's true. The price difference is a uh, is a lot smaller. So Chinese hotels are a little bit cheaper, or mm-hmm. you know the the Airbnbs are a little bit more expensive. Yeah, one mm-hmm. of the two. But I think it's the hotels. I think the hotels are just generally a lot cheaper in in China, and so you don't really get too much of a price uh, advantage there. That's right, because like if you look at this chart that we're looking at right now, the, the price differential in other markets is somewhere close to around fifty percent or even more. But then when you look at the Chinese markets, it's like closer to thirty percent. You know, right. I'm just ballparking, but just so people understand the the, the big difference, it's like a um, a relative difference, not an absolute difference between yeah. the two. Exactly. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then also, uh, you know, there a lot of people just prefer to stay in hotels. Mm-hmm. Now they, they they've asked uh, people like what you know what's your preferred uh, type of accommodation when you when you travel, and you know only only twenty seven percent mentioned short day apartments, you know the majority mentioned chain hotels or regular start hotels. Mm-hmm. So you know if if people have less of a preference to stay in, in short stay apartments, and also the price difference isn't as big, then it's kind of you know, easy to understand why the demand is not that high. Mm-hmm. That's right. And then yeah. there's also a bunch of competitors that are much bigger than Airbnb. Yes. There's a Tuja as the largest one. They have, you know, about 10 times, more than 10 times the number of listings that Airbnb has today. And actually that same company has more than three times its next competitor. I don't know the name of this next competitor here, but Tuja is by far the market leader. Um, yeah. And then Airbnb is is woefully behind in kind of like, you know, fourth or fifth place, depending on what, what you're looking at to measure it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, the biggest one has over a million listings and Airbnb only yeah. has about uh, 75 or 80,000. Yeah. Mean, that's, that's the same. Uh, it's the same amount of listings that Paris has. Really? By the way. Wow. You know, just wow. to put things in perspective. Yeah, yeah. The the million listings. There are a million listings in Paris. No, I mean, uh, I mean, eighty thousand. It's like I don't oh, know exactly. 80, I think it's like seventy or eighty thousand mm. in Paris. And okay, that's the amount of listings that they have in the whole of China. Right. <laughs> so it's. I mean, they're definitely really, really small still. Yeah, And then, yeah, of course, um, you know, other than the, the the demand and the silly name and everything, there's also uh, the fact that. In general, it's just really hard to do business in China for a foreign company. I mean, we've That's seen right. Uber who gave up on uh, on China a while ago, and uh, you know, there's obviously there's a lot of regulation in China that you know the the government has and the regulators and the authorities that have a big say in what's what's happening in the country, mm-hmm. and you know, it's it's pretty easy for them to make it a bit harder for the foreign companies than than the local companies. Yeah. Totally. And the the regulatory stuff is not like not even just on the um, like on the companies, but it's also on all the payments processing that happens between like the travelers who are trying to book Airbnbs. Like it, the, the Chinese government has a lot of levers that they can pull even to get in the way of that. You right. know what I mean? Like they exactly, could just yeah. like prohibit the ability to pay Airbnb for a listing right. um, or prevent the actual supplier, the, the Airbnb host from receiving payment. So there's just like a bunch of different ways that the Chinese government puts controls over on things that are not the same as, as the way they operate in Europe or in the US. Exactly. So, you know, it's, yeah. it's going to be really interesting to see if uh, Airbnb is going to succeed in, uh, in China or, you know, maybe they'll pull out in a few years, just like Uber did. Mm-hmm. Um, but the author of this article definitely is is uh it has the opinion that uh they're gonna have a very challenging road ahead. 
Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, it's a great article. Highly recommend checking it out. It's it's just really well written and, and goes into some nice details about the dynamics between the two. Absolutely. Has some, yeah. some really interesting graphs and charts and stuff, which is always good. Hosts, if you're anything like me, you have multiple standard messages you send to every guest. I used to copy-paste those messages every time I had a new guest. But then I learned about Aviva IQ, and I'm an absolute fan. I copied my repeatable messages into Aviva IQ and told it when I want each message to be delivered. Now, all my guests get personalized check-in messages and personalized check-out messages at the exact time I want them to, automatically. I also use Aviva IQ to send a message to guests when a vacancy exists after their scheduled checkout day and invite them to stay longer. It's amazing how it's turned into free money for me on multiple occasions already. So sign up for free at www.avivaiq.com. You'll be glad you did. Let's quickly touch on another article just because it's kind of funny. This is an article in the in an Australian newspaper, news.com.au. Mm-hmm. And it it talks about it's interesting because it's an Australian site, but this it's about uh, something that happened in Los Angeles. So I must be on different sites as well. But um anyway, so there's there's a guy who who paid eight hundred dollars to stay at a property in uh, in Los Angeles and on a certain night, uh, he got surprised when a SWAT team showed up, and uh, and the, he he actually shot a video of the whole thing, so you can actually watch a video. You <laughs> see the police agents and stuff, police officers. But apparently, the host, uh, a woman called Ashley, <laughs> was uh, they had a, a warrant for her arrest, and so they kind of like bulldozed into uh, into the apartment looking to arrest this person. So this Airbnb guest was kind of, uh, you know, a little overwhelmed by that. <laughs> yeah, that happened to me once when I was in my mid twenties, where the police showed up because they found my car uh, that was located that had run out of gas, and they thought that something had happened to me. And I have to tell you, I had like, like trauma for a few weeks after that because it's really stressful. <laughs> So I was just looking at this video thinking about how stressful it was for this poor Airbnb guest. But at least he took it in stride. I mean, he took a video. Yeah. And (laughs) there was one interesting little detail as well, because they they initially asked the the guest if if he knew who Ashley was. And, you know, this guy's from New York. And so his first instinct was to say no, because, you know, he heard stories of Airbnb guests getting kicked out of the apartment Oh um, sure. You know because yeah. the, the the host every hosting is illegal in certain uh, places in New York. Yeah. And so initially he he told the cops, "Oh no, I I don't know who this person is." But then later he you know he kind of admitted that he did know. Uh, and so that was kind of like uh, a little uh you know a little tricky <laughs> like when the police when there's 10 cops showing up and they're, you know, they're looking for this person, they have a w- arrest and then you start lying to them, it you know, it doesn't exactly. really help the situation. <laughs> Exactly. It's kind of implicated, like, even though he had nothing to do with anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A poor guy. <laughs> uh, I think in the end, it, it all was was good. So Yeah, yes. yeah, it sounds like it. Hopefully he took, it sounds like he took it in stride, which is good. 
Um, I saw there was one other article, small thing. If we do, do we have time to bring this one up? The yeah. one about payment. Just, uh, just quick, quick one. Yeah. So this is just has to do with Airbnb experimenting and testing some more flexible payment options for guests. It's an article in Fast Company, and it's about how um, so for some of the luxury um, expensive listings, or maybe even just within this person's region, um, they were testing a 50% payment plan where instead of booking or paying the whole deposit up front, the guest puts down 50%. And then I think a few weeks beforehand, they have to pay the, the second 50%. And then they, that article in Fast Company also refers to some past work that Airbnb did in Cuba and Brazil to change the way that payments were happening between potential travelers and hosts in Cuba, partnering with a middleman to get some of these small casas particulares online, um, which is a new market when it was opening up. And then in Brazil, they actually partnered with um, this company that allowed for like a payment option where you would print like this card from Airbnb and then go to a local store and then pay. And then the store would indicate that you'd paid and you had 24 hours to do that to book a, an Airbnb in Brazil. And these really changed the the ways that Airbnb was able to capture revenue from potential travelers. So that's, that's a, a good article too. I thought it was really nicely written and also um, kind of shows how much experimentation Airbnb has done over the years and probably how much they will be doing moving forward. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's uh that's pretty interesting. I've actually, be, I've, have you ever been to Cuba? I have. I loved it. Did you stay in one of those? Maybe casas? I shouldn't have said that I had. I did. Did you? Have you yeah. done that? Yeah, yeah. I went in 2006, yeah. like over 10 years ago. Yeah, I, I went there in 2009 and we stayed in two of them. And it was crazy. The second one we stayed at, it was in uh, Vinales. And my husband had stayed there five years prior and they had his picture and like pulled it up. And it was like coming home again, the same wow. family. Cool. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, a great time. The one thing that I remember from my trip to Cuba is that you know how they uh, hit everybody hits hikes. Yeah. Uh huh. And so I rented a car and drove around the country, and you know they have bus stops, but there's no buses, or yep. you know maybe the bus comes every you know two three hours, and so there's people hitchhiking at the at the bus stops, and yep. I was told that you were supposed to you know pick people up, and so I stopped, and then uh, a cop actually got into my car. Yeah, he was hitchhiking, so I I gave a ride That's to the cop. <laughs> and you know, it was funny because my uh my Spanish was was uh, reasonable, so I was yeah, I was kinda chatting to him a little bit and then I uh, I made some sort of a joke that uh you know, I told him something like because you know in Cuba the the highways are completely empty, at least back yep. in the day when I went, they were completely empty, like a horse and carriage there here and there and a few cars, but but it's a pretty wide highway, you know. So yeah. you're kind of like by yourself. So I was joking to the cop. I was like, well, you know, I have a lot of, you know, there's, there's no one on the road. So I could go, I could be going pretty fast, but I guess, uh, I guess I have to stick to the speed limit now that you're, you're in my car, right? <laughs> <laughs> what did he say? Oh, no, he was like, he was laughing. He was like, no, he was like, don't worry. Like, you know, you just, you can drive fast. I'm going to get home. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah. We, so. we picked up hitchhikers actually when we, because we rented a car. And we picked up probably like at least a dozen different people while we were there. It was really fun to meet people that way because um, it's just like a short period of time and it's very culturally acceptable and yeah. um, really safe, especially when you're with somebody else. So it was it was really fun. Awesome. All right. Well, cool. uh, that's it for today. Thanks, Margot, for joining. Always yeah, a pleasure to have me. you. And uh, good luck with everything. And uh, to the listeners, thanks for listening. And of course, on Monday, we're back with another episode. So see you then. Get paid for your pet, get paid for your pet, get paid for your pet.